today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. When we come to Christ, you will do good things because it's Christ doing those good things through you, okay? But everlasting life does not come through works. It comes through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus hit it dead on. As the multitude said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus responds in verse 29, this is the work of God. Ready for the work of God? That you believe in him whom he sent. As a believer, it's easy to get caught up in trying to live a good Christian life. We get focused on living by the rules and looking the part. As Pastor Eric reminds us in today's message, that's not where our focus should be. Righteous living means nothing if our focus isn't on Christ, who alone can give us true righteousness. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part two of his message, Where is Your Focus? Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul says to put to death your members, your, your flesh. I mean, because he continues to say in verses 8 and 9 of Colossians 3, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, ready? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Christian, we are called to put off our old self, our old flesh. We are a new creation. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. Therefore, put away the old. The old man would look to the things of the earth. But the new man is called to look to the things of above and seeking first the kingdom of God. And to those who don't have a relationship with Christ, what an incentive. Because continuing to live for the world and live for yourself is death. But to live for Jesus Christ brings life and peace through him. The Apostle Paul, imagine this, struggled with this, putting off the old man. The Apostle Paul, can you believe that? The mighty Apostle Paul. He said this in Romans 7. So if you think that, oh man, I'm a... I'm a in a different island. I'm in the land of misfits because it's so hard to put off the flesh. You're not alone. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 7. For we know, if you want to turn with me, you can. Romans 7, beginning in verse 14. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Who can relate already in verse 14? If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. 
Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Here it is, you guys. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, when with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Man, if Paul couldn't describe it any better than that, right? He couldn't. It's because the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul. God understands that we struggle. I mean, he's got to understand. He's all-knowing. And here, the Apostle Paul is saying, the things that I want to do, I want to live a righteous life. I want to think of things of above, but I seem to do, I can't do those things. I do this, this sin. That's what I do. And so there's a war going on with inside of you. You're not alone with this war. This is very encouraging to me because I look at Paul and I'm thinking, this guy pretty much wrote the whole New Testament in a sense, right? But yet he is saying, he is, he is crying out in a sense, saying, I, I will not to do these things, but I do them. Who, who can save a wretched man that I am? The humility in Paul. But he says, though, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ can save you. He is the, he is the man. <laughs> he is the one who makes it happen. He is the one who is, gives you the ability to be spiritually minded. Because of Jesus, we can please God. Think about that. Because of Jesus, you can please God. Not by yourself. You can't please God. But through Jesus Christ, you can. So the concluding thought at this first couple verses, as Jesus was saying, you know, the people are focusing on the physical. I would agree with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, when he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Instead of thinking and building this kingdom around us that we see physically, let's remember where we should be focusing and building the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Because that's where your treasure is at, is where your heart is at. So moving forward, as Jesus then asks them, or he responds back to them, we will see that he declares himself the bread of heaven. A huge statement by Jesus, as we will see in verses 27 through 40. Jesus continued to say, he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, 
that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say, I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Verse 37, and that the Father gives me will come to me, and that, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. In verse 40, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up in the last day. So Jesus tells the people, the multitude that have come to him for the, for the food, that that's why they're seeking him. He tells them, he says in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, because that's where their heart was at. It was on the physical. And God himself, Jesus Christ, is saying, do not labor for the things that perish, the physical things. But labor for the, for the bread that endures to everlasting life. Now, if you were told this and you were seeking bread and you were looking for something that was going to last, that would spark your interest, wouldn't it? Hey, give me this bread. I want that bread that gives me life. The food that never perishes. So Jesus declares to the multitude, don't labor for the food that perishes. Labor for the food that endures to everlasting life. And oh, by the way, the Son of God, the Son of Man gives this food, right? Then we are told that Jesus says that the Father has set his seal on him. What is this Father's seal on Jesus? What is this? Well, Pastor David Guzik said this about God's seal of Jesus. A seal was a mark of ownership and a guarantee of the contents. They should have the confidence in Jesus because God the Father has guaranteed him. Jesus was guaranteed to the Jews as Messiah all throughout the Old Testament. Here's some of the prophecies that point to Jesus as Messiah. Genesis 3.15, he was the seed of a woman prophesied in Genesis 3.15 and fulfilled in Galatians 4.4. He was the descendant of Abraham, prophesied in Genesis 12.3 and fulfilled in Matthew 1.1. He was from the tribe of Judah, prophesied in Genesis 49.10, fulfilled in Luke 3.33. He was the heir to the throne of David, prophesied in Isaiah 9.7 and fulfilled in Luke 1.32-33. His birthplace was in Bethlehem, prophesied in Micah 5.2 and fulfilled in Luke 2, 
verses 4 through 5. Born of a virgin, prophesied in Isaiah 7.14, fulfilled in Luke 1.26 through 27, and verses 30 through 31. Jesus declares himself as the one who gives eternal life. And he is speaking to the, his audience. He is saying, I am the one who brings everlasting life. I am God's guarantee to you. What he spoke to your fathers, I am. This is a huge statement. A huge statement made by Jesus. The guaranteed from God. The one who brings everlasting life. Because if you don't know it, man has a problem and the problem is sin. And God has guaranteed us everlasting life and this life is through Jesus Christ. And so the multitude responded, what shall we do? What shall we work? How do we work for this bread? How do we work the works of God? They wanted to work for this everlasting life. (laughs) The idea and the desire to work for salvation still exists today. If this is the question, if you were standing before God himself and he asked you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? Many people in this world would say, because I am a good person. I do good things. I do good works. That's probably the most common answer that you would find. I'm a good person. I do good things. But the problem is, is what is the definition of good? Your definition from good is different from, maybe different from my definition from good. I mean, a, a, a terrorist could blow up a bus of 50 plus people and say, that was good. Would you say that was good? No. Who's right and good? I mean, what good definition is right? Because the Bible tells us that there is no one who is good. No, not one. Only God is good. Earning salvation by good works will never happen. Salvation is God's grace, which is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I believe that God, yes, has wired you and I for good works, to do good things. Because you look at Ephesians 2.10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. Yes, when we come to Christ, you will do good things because it's Christ doing those good things through you. Okay? But everlasting life does not come through works. It comes through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus hit it dead on. As the multitude said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus responds in verse 29, this is the work of God. Ready for the work of God? That you believe in him whom he sent. You want to work for your salvation? This is the work that you need to do. Believe in the one whom God has sent. Believe. Have faith in Jesus. And so then the multitude, you guys, they're, I, I don't know, I can, I can say I read them, but I'm sure if they read my life, they'd be saying the same thing. What were they thinking? They said, give us a sign, perform a sign so that we will believe you. Show us a sign. Are you serious? He showed you that he is the great shepherd. He showed you that he provides for you. He showed you by healing your sick. He showed you the words of God. 
But the people go back to Moses, going, going back to Moses saying, Moses gave us bread from heaven, but then Jesus refutes this and says, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you true bread from heaven. And he goes on in saying that this bread that comes down from God, it gives life. And so the multitude then says, Lord, give us this bread always. Give us this bread always. And Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. Now it's interesting to me in verse 34 that they call him, they recognize him Lord. Did you guys catch that? They said to him, Lord, Master, give us this bread always. Which reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And what did we see is the will of the Father in heaven. Is to believe in the one whom he sent. A huge statement that Jesus says that he is the bread of life that gives everlasting life. He proclaims the, fa- the will of the Father. He proclaims to them that, again, <laughs> the will of the Father who sent me is that everyone sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. The will of God is that everyone would believe in Jesus and have everlasting life. And that Jesus said that he would raise up those who believe in the last day. Words are very strong, very powerful. But I want you to remember the heart towards Jesus had towards this great multitude. He had compassion on them. He has compassion on you. And he looks to us and he wants to be the great shepherd for us. And it might seem that Jesus is narrow-minded about salvation. Why not have salvation come through different works? Why not open up the gate for for more people to get into heaven? I mean, Jesus did say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a pretty narrow gate, isn't it? But Jesus tells the multitude again that he's the bread of life and that he is the one who would fulfill their every need. There's a reason why we need to go through Jesus because Jesus is God and God is the only one that can save us. Yes, a person can die from starvation physically. And so when Jesus is saying, eat of this bread, he's not speaking of physical bread, he's speaking of spiritual bread. He is everlasting life. You want to be full this morning? Jesus Christ will fulfill you. He will bring a fullness inside your soul. But it's only if and only if you believe in him. The multitude wanted to labor for this food. They wanted to do the works. But again, the will of God is for those to believe in him. And again, so much is placed on labor. So much is placed on works. The labor again will come. The good works will come, but start the journey by believing in Jesus. Don't start the journey, don't start the race in the middle of the race. Start it at the beginning of the race by believing in Jesus. Starting out with him, letting him then take you through the good works that he has prepared for you. By taking the step of following Jesus, as many of you know, will radically change your life. 
Now, many of us could be sitting in the chairs this morning saying, I already know this. I know that Jesus is the bread of life. I know that Jesus brings everlasting life. I know this. I've learned it from when I was a little kid in Sunday school. I know this. This is nothing new. Pastor, you're always telling us every Sunday that Jesus is the way of everlasting life. We get it now. Okay, great. What are you doing with this knowledge? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the knowledge that you know that Jesus is Messiah? Because here we see a great multitude, those who were disciples of following after him, as we will see, Lord willing, next week, that many of the disciples, this multitude, disciples, followers of Christ, turned away. They knew the knowledge too, but they turned away. Is it just knowledge or is it a part of your life? I mean, what do we do with this knowledge? Go tell others? Bring people around, just love on them? Show them the love of Christ? Showing them that he's the great shepherd? I mean, the reality is is that Paul, every time he went into a new city, what did he do? He preached the cross. The power is in the cross. And what Jesus Christ did. But so many of us are looking for just some feel-good message. But remember what the message is. It's salvation through Jesus Christ. May we continue the understanding, the relationship that we have with Jesus. May it drive us to tell others because we live in a world that is perishing. As Paul said this in Acts, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in the city. Actually, Paul didn't say it. Jesus said it to Paul. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent. And that's my heart, you guys, as God is just continuing to grow me and say to me, do not be silent. May we not be silent. May we just continue to speak forth the love of Christ. Taking people and not judging them, but just pouring into them, accepting wherever they're at in life. You don't know. You don't know. Only God knows. Just continue to give them the cross. Give them the bread that never perishes. The bread of Jesus. The body of Christ. Give him, give him Christ. So in conclusion, what is, what is the recap? Well, Jesus reminds us not to be physically minded, but to be spiritually minded, not to be looking for the things that fill our belly, but look at the things of above. Believe in the one that God sent, the one who gives you everlasting life. And share your understanding with others. You're knowledgeable. You know it. Do you know it here only, or do you know it here? If you know it, live it. And if you are living it, continue living it. Do not be afraid. Do not keep silent. Because we serve a God who is truly worthy of our praise. A God that has all understanding. And he will help you think of the things of above. Because only he can do it. As I'm learning. Only he can help you. John 3.16 One of the most recognized verses in the Bible reminds us that by believing in Jesus, God's only Son, we are set free from our sins and have gained eternity in heaven. 
God's love for us, His creation, caused Him to allow all the sin of the earth to be placed on the shoulders of His Son. Jesus then took the punishment for those sins, dying a painful death, just so that we wouldn't be separated from Him. Our prayer is that as Pastor Eric continues teaching through the book of John, you will grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. If you've been touched by this series or you'd like to know more about Jesus, please give us a call at 520-723-7047. We'd love to share the freedom you can have with a personal relationship with Jesus. That number again is 520-723-7047. You can also connect with us by visiting our website at gracetothehearers.com where you'll also discover more about this ministry and find resources to enhance your study of God's Word. If, like many, social media is part of your everyday life, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We also have a YouTube channel where you'll find many videos of past messages from Pastor Eric's verse-by-verse study of the Bible. Find all this and more at our website, gracetothehearers.com. With that, our time has come to a close today. Pastor Eric will return soon with his continuing verse-by-verse study in the book of John right here on Grace to the Hearers.